0: Jesus said to abide in my love just as I have loved you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. Now, Jesus had all sorts of emotions, just like every other human being, anger, frustration, contempt, even think about how Jesus was with the scribes, the Pharisees, the money changers got pretty angry there. His own disciples frustrated him at times. Jesus was powerful in the extreme and anger, frustration, contempt. Even those are powerful emotions. They were a part of Jesus and they gave Jesus a nudge at times to start acting or doing things. But Jesus didn't choose to live in anger, frustration and contempt. Those powerful emotions, he chose instead to live in the powerful weakness of love. The powerful weakness of love is actually much stronger than anger. Love is so much stronger than frustration. Love is so much more powerful than contempt even though love often feels like weakness. Love is vulnerable. Love doesn't force the other, but offers and guides, allowing the other not to follow. Love allows for failure and is not coercive. Love does not belittle or taunt. Love allows things not to go my way allowing for the needs of the beloved over one's own desires. Love also trusts in the mutual love of the other, such that the beloved would reciprocate that love, trusting, not forcing. Jesus could have forced people to to do whatever he wanted. But when push came to shove, Jesus acted not out of his power, Not out of his anger or frustration or contempt, Jesus acted instead out of the powerful weakness and trusting nature of love. And he told his disciples to abide in his love, not to abide in any of those other emotions. Abide in my love, Jesus said, that your joy may be complete Abide in my love, Jesus said, that which ultimately led Jesus to the cross. Maybe he didn't lead with that. My sales pitch isn't as good as his. Jesus talked about joy. And allowing our joy to be complete. So what keeps us from joy? How about fear? How about when, because of our fear, we choose not to dwell in love, but we choose to dwell in anger or frustration or contempt. When we're afraid, we feel weak and we want to feel strong. So we end up turning to those strong emotions, anger and frustration or even contempt. They're powerful. And so when we're afraid, we act out of those things which make us feel powerful. But where do they lead? To joy? Not so much. Dwelling in and acting out of anger or frustration or contempt leads to hurt and resentment, loneliness, victimhood. Maybe a sense of being right in the me against the world kind of being right. And a profound lack of joy. We may feel powerful, but we also feel more alone, more fearful, and even worse about ourselves. Such is the way of fear and dwelling in power to overcome our fear. When we choose to abide in Jesus' love and to make love our home, we will in all likelihood be led to the cross, that place of powerful weakness. So when we abide in love and are led to the cross, what gets nailed to the cross? How about being right? How about our hurt and resentment? Is anyone else here kind of good at hurt and resentment? Yeah, being hurt or let down by someone whom we deeply love. And then letting that hurt turn to resentment, it certainly feels strong, walls up, raise the shields, weapons ready, not going to hurt me again, but it never leads anywhere good, greater fear and isolation, loneliness, victimhood, it may feel right or even righteous. ...at the time, but it certainly doesn't lead to a place of joy. Say that you have planned a mini stay-at-home date night for once the kids are asleep. And your wife falls asleep again, putting one of the kids to bed. And instead of going with your usual route of feeling hurt by being stood up on such an occasion... For the exact same reason as usual, you choose instead to be happy for your wife who needs to sleep because she's very tired. Top of my head, totally random hypothetical (laughs) example. Choosing to be happy for my life led to me actually being joyful in the midst of feeling a little let down. I got to be joyful. A little while later, she woke up anyway. So (laughs) Jesus wants us to be joyful, not fearful, lonely, right or isolated. Jesus wants us to be joyful, and so he taught us to dwell in his love. We dwell in love and we let that love lead us to the cross and we put our hurt and our resentment on that cross when someone lets us down We can dwell in love for that person rather than dwelling in hurt and resentment. We get to ask ourselves, why did that person let us down? Maybe they were overwhelmed. Maybe life was too much. Life just happened. Maybe they were doing their level best and reached a limit in what they could do. Or maybe in letting us down, they got something that they really needed. And so rather than being hurt, we can be happy for them. We're talking about someone we love here after all. Maybe our hurt can turn to concern for them. If it seems that their letting us down came from a place of their reaching their limit. Or some need on their part. Maybe out of our concern for them, we get to then act out of love on their behalf. Our hurt and resentment transformed into gladness or concern for the other. And that gladness and concern for the other are places of joy expressed through love. Abide in Jesus love and we do get led to the cross so that our fear may be transformed into hurt in our fear and hurt may be transformed into joy. Got to make sure I say that one right. Jesus said he wants us to abide in his love so that his joy may be in us and our joy may be complete. How often do you think of joy when you think of Christianity? Maybe all the time. I often think of Jesus as very serious and of our religion as being so serious. Christianity seems often like a serious religion. Jesus died for our sins and rose so that we may have eternal life. Jesus lived and showed us his kingdom here on earth so that we could live out his kingdom here on earth. Loving people, forgiving people, caring for those in need. It's all so serious. And he was so earnest and serious with his teachings So at times I tend to forget just how darn joyful Jesus was. He hung out with people. He partied. He partied with the messed up reprobates that no one else would party with. One, because he loved them too, they were probably a lot more fun. Um, Jesus took delight in children. He found joy and beauty in the grass. In birds, in the wind and the waves. He didn't worry about daily struggles because in his kingdom, people take care of each other. When visiting with his friends, Martha and Mary, it didn't bother him that the house was a mess or that the meal wasn't perfectly perfect and on time. He was enjoying being with his friends. As much as we are earnest in our faith and we are intended to take our faith seriously. Jesus didn't tell us to abide in his love so that our earnestness and seriousness may be complete. Abide in my love, Jesus said, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what does joy look like? Joy looks like forgiveness and compassion leading to a place of peace and happiness and uh, happiness at the love for the sake of another. Joy looks like hope and being surrounded by love in the midst of sadness. Joy looks like spending time with people and enjoying spending time with people in all of our imperfect glory. Joy looks like being cared for and caring for others. Joy looks like the sun coming up every morning and letting that be enough. Joy looks like acceptance. Accepting life for what it is and finding peace, hope and love in what life is rather than constantly wishing for life to be something else. Joy looks like placing the power of our anger, of our resentment, of our hurt, our contempt, placing the power of those on the cross and then abiding in that place of love where Jesus invites us into his joy that his joy may be in us. Jesus invites us to abide, to dwell, to live in the power of, of weakness, the powerful weakness of his love so that our joy may be complete.